Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Dirty Money. I'm here in the studio with Mike. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I am doing great. And we we have an exciting week, guys. I think uh I think just about everyone downloaded the new threads app from Instagram and has been bombarded with notifications and also just sort of wondering what to do with it. So we'll talk about this new app because there's some interesting stories behind it. We also got Meta. Facebook's parent company at a 52-week high on their stock price. We've got some other social media money-related news in that DWAC, the company, the SPAC, Special Purpose Acquisition Company that is supposed to be merging with Trump's uh, Truth Social, just reached a agreement with the SEC. The SEC was investigating them. So they pretty much have the green light to merge now, providing they pay a fine. All of that we'll talk about. So we got all those stories and more in today's episode of Dirty Money. And if you're listening on any of the major podcast platforms, do give us a five-star review, share the show with your friends. And if you're on any of the micro content platforms like uh, Instagram Reels or TikTok or even like watching YouTube shorts, do check us out. Our handle on all of those is at Dirty Money Show. So like us, subscribe, and uh, let's get started. So Mike, I think you wanted to lead with Meta's 52-week high. Yeah, so Metastock is at a 52-week high. It's up 74% over the course of this year since the beginning of the year. It's interesting. We're, we're experiencing probably the emergence of a bull market, a, definitely a bull market in the NASDAQ where you know it's up a third. So th- that's a big thing that's going on. But here you can see all the big gainers, and Meta is the biggest one for the 52-week high. But next in line is JP Morgan. Why is JP Morgan the company that has another 52-week high? Is it because they got all of Silicon Valley's banking stuff at such a low cost? They got a fire sale on Silicon Valley. So it's interesting to think that the next biggest profiter of this year is JP Morgan. They capitalized for sure. And so it's pretty interesting. But really, the big rally that you're seeing and the, the money you're seeing go in is from this AI boom. Right. Um, it's all in the NASDAQ, isn't it? Because the Dow Jones is only up about two and a half percent this year, whereas the NASDAQ is up like 31 percent. Well, I mean, there's certain things. Delta is Carnival's going to start really coming back from that pain we saw when everybody was trapped on cruise lines during COVID, which completely destroyed their stock. I wish I'd invested in Carnival, man. At that time, I, I honestly thought some of the cruise lines were priced for bankruptcy. I, I thought it was too risky. But you have retail stocks that are still taking hits left and right i'm just looking at facebook's lifetime chart of its stock and actually even though they're at a 52 week high they're still not at their all-time high they're still about maybe 20 percent below their all-time high or something so because they did come down a huge amount facebook stock sort of collapsed over the past you know couple of years so they went down i think it was all the way down to about 90 dollars. their all-time high was 370 dollars, close to 400 dollars. so Current price is two ninety two. I mean, you could still buy in on Facebook and still probably get quite a good gain. Not financial advice, but uh, yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's still a lot of opportunity from COVID. Really, is what it's boiling down to for a lot of these companies. Even Amazon, the tech companies kind of fell off their cliff after COVID because everybody was trapped in their houses and had to use their their technology to you know get by in life, and so they kind of fell off. But people are realizing like with the new AI bubble and the AI burst, whatever you want to call it, things are right. starting to to bring back. So you have Meta, who's also figuring out how to capitalize on reels, which a lot of people haven't figured out, is how to monetize the reels. 
and how to advertise to get a revenue there. And Facebook has actually got little ads on the bottom of the reels. So it's pretty interesting to see that taking place. And they're excited about the growth that they're experiencing with the sharing of the reels over the last few months. And I think it'll continue, although there there's some things there. There's a few different things that are taking place there, but ultimately they're poised for more growth and they're not even at a trillion dollar cap right now. So speaking of growth, let's, let's talk about threads. Did you download it? I did download it. I think it's Twitter with less people. <laughs> it's a, like a, it's like a more boring version of Twitter at the moment yeah. anyway, because it's very yeah. bare. It's like, there's not much on it. <laughs> it reminds me of how true social first launched. At the beginning. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's basically Facebook, though, isn't it? That's 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 also what you could say. It's like Facebook at the beginning. You could post text text, and you could post a photo. That's basically it, right? Or There's video there, video. too. I saw short a video. video. Yeah, yeah, short video. Um, so yeah. really, how is it different to Facebook? It's basically Facebook linked to Instagram. Yeah, it's Facebook without groups and more more ability, more functionality. It's a, it's a dummy down Facebook is the best way to describe it with an interface that's similar to Twitter, uh, Twitter, you know, and, and it's easy to sign up. All you got to do is have an Instagram account and go, I want this. And here you go. The cool so, thing you is know, if you're, if you're paying for verification on Instagram, you automatically get it on threads as well, which is cool. Yeah. So the, you know, it says 70 million signups surprising zuckerberg but the truth is is that he prompted anybody who went on facebook or instagram with it yeah. so it's like how do you not get that kind of response when you have people when you have a billion users you know you, so you, you're happy with seven percent of your total population getting on board i guess that's good but the truth is is i wonder how much activity it's really gonna have i wonder too because you know for it to replace twitter it has to be adopted by everyone as the place for you know government officials and celebrities and stuff to release, you know, information, which Twitter really is, isn't it? It's like the place where people do press releases and release statements and things. When Trump was in office, he put a lot of his communication with the populace on Twitter. His tweets would give us information about what he was doing in the government and things like that. And I think Threads is just another play. Let's see what Elon does. I mean, this would be great if, if, there's, a, if there's a fight with Elon and Zuckerberg. Well, well, okay, so let's get into that because Elon already has started fighting Threads because Threads apparently has employed Meta. When, when all these employees of Twitter were let go by Elon Musk, a lot of them went to Meta and they've apparently been tasked with designing Threads and they used a lot of Twitter's trade secrets, apparently, according to a lawsuit, allegedly. So they've actually filed a lawsuit against Threads. So here, I can read you something from this article. So on Wednesday, an attorney representing Twitter sent Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg a letter that accused the company of trade secret theft through hiring former Twitter employees. This letter was sent by Alex Spiro, who's a lawyer for Twitter for Elon Musk. And it alleged that Meta had engaged in systematic, willful, and unlawful misappropriation of Twitter's trade secrets and other intellectual property. Basically, they've, they've told Meta they have to now preserve all communications in preparation for a lawsuit. <laughs> and Elon actually tweeted competition is fine cheating is not he put that up on twitter i think it was yesterday it is very similar to twitter so i i i, I see the similarities especially the way it creates a thread of, yeah. of replies i mean it's called threads isn't it so <laughs> i want to see you know 
let's say whoever wins the the UFC fight between Elon and Zuckerberg has ownership of threads. <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny. Or they, if you or if you win the cage match, you win the lawsuit too. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, let's solve let's solve this like real gladiators. I thought it was funny as well. Mr. Beast, uh, one of his first posts on Threads was uh, he put a picture of a Tesla with a Threads logo on the front of it. And he said, I'm going to give this Tesla away. Uh, no, to celebrate the launch of Threads, I'm going to give this Tesla away to one lucky subscriber. <laughs> so, you know, the prize is owned by the rival of Threads. <laughs> I thought it was very funny. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's great. I mean, ultimately, it's good. It gets attention for for Elon Musk, but mm. I mean, if there's 70 million users on this Threads app, how many users are on Twitter? It's like 240 million or something like that, maybe. Okay, so I mean, they they could come up pretty quick. I mean, that was only in the first day or so. It's like if they yeah. if they keep those numbers going for the next three days, they're gonna be right there neck and neck with Twitter. Um, I thought uh, one useful uh, function of it was that if you want to share some text on Instagram, you can make a, th a threads post and then you share it to Instagram and it creates like a little graphic with your threads post in the middle of the photo. It like creates a photo out of your threads post, which is kind of cool. So I was joking thinking Instagram is going to come just pictures of threads posts soon, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's a pretty cool function. If you want to have some text catch someone's eye on Instagram, you can use a threads post to do that. Well, I'm just probably going to duplicate my tweets on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it'll basically be Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that's it too. That's pretty much the direction I see it going and being being functional for influencers. Just another place to, to put your things, um, you know, to express your thoughts and feeling towards different situations. Yeah. Ultimately... I mean, I'm not impressed. I'll leave it pretty much there. I think it's a truth social Twitter baby is the best way to describe it. You know, yeah. it, without, you know, they'll add functionality. They'll put more into it. It's just another social media without a unique perspective. You see TikTok, Snap, they had a unique position that they created to make themselves grow. Twitter at the time did, Facebook did, Instagram. They, those are all unique plays this is just a copy and paste and that's how i looked at truth social is it's just a copy and paste format speaking of truth social let's get into that because um we got a story that concerns truth social so dwac digital world acquisition corp that is the company the special uh, special purpose acquisition company that is supposed to be merging with truth social now it has been a long time uh they actually had to extend the period of time by a year uh, because the SEC is investigating them and won't let them carry out the merger yet. But they've actually reached an agreement with the SEC. Uh, so basically, um, the reason for this, so here, here you can see in this article, Truth Social SPAC agrees to pay $18 million to settle SEC investigation into the merger. Now, the reason the SEC has been investigating them is because before they uh, DWAC even listed publicly, okay, before they went public, they supposedly had already confirmed the target for their merger as Trump's media company, which you're not supposed to do for a SPAC, right? You're supposed to list yourself on the stock exchange and then you start looking for a target for your merger. But they apparently had knowledge of it before. So if they merge with True Social, they will have to pay $18 million fine uh, after the merger because of that fact. However, 
a merger with True Social will probably make the DWAC stock uh, go to the moon again. It'll certainly go past 40, maybe $50, maybe more. So they could just sell a few shares and they'll have the $18 million to pay the fine. So probably isn't really that big of a deal. That's kind of the situation. And they it's taken already around 400 days or so even to get this far with the merger, which is very unusual. The average you know, approval from the SEC for a merger, it's more close to like 130, 150 days, something like that. So it does look like the SEC has kind of been slow walking DWAC's merger. Obviously, the SEC controlled by the Biden administration, so it makes sense why they might want to do that. But anyway, Truth Social or DWAC, they released this statement that said this will help to remove the cloud of uncertainty lingering over DWAC and would allow DWAC to move forward in achieving the objective of delivering a strategic merger. So it does, you know, look like they still very much intend to merge with Trump's company, TMTG, Trump Media Technology Group. Um, so I'm happy. I'm a stockholder in DWAC. I've got about 200 shares and I'd really like to see them go back up. Uh, <laughs> so I'm kind of happy with that. What do you think about it? Should be pretty much done already. This is over a year, almost a year and a half. Yeah, where, 400 days, around 400 days. Yeah, the, the, I mean, can you drag your feet any longer? At this point, you're walking on your hands. So it's pretty it's pretty bad on that perspective. 18 million, I mean, get it done. Why are you even thinking twice about it? Yeah. I, I, you're going you're gonna to capitalize there. I think the, the problem right now with True Social is that it was used to have a freedom of speech platform because everything seemed to be getting censored. There were issues with uh, all kinds of propaganda and things like that, you know, fact checking X, Y, and Z without legitimizing the fact checking and, you know, the def definition of what's true, what's not true. And, and so it, it allowed it to get a lot of hype really quick because no one was able to express their voices, whether left, right, off center, doesn't matter. You know, people were th thinking that they couldn't express themselves. So true social comes out and says they're going to go public. It allows people to invest money into something that they believe in. And then, you know, they have all these issues on the back end. So now that it's done, it's $18 million. I mean, just just agree to it, sign the paperwork, get going. I think Elon taking over Twitter has diverted a lot of the heat away from Truth Social. Because when Truth Social first launched, it was like, you know, it was being attacked in the media, it was being attacked from left, right, and center. Then the focus was sort of shifted to Twitter, right? Because it's like, oh my goodness, like Truth Social took all that heat and Elon quietly managed to get Twitter at that time. And then it sort of reversed it. Now, all the heat's on Twitter. It's not on Truth Social. During that period of time, Truth Social has been going through this process. And once they merge, basically, Truth Social has been sort of dormant during this time, right? If you go on there, it's sort of like there's Trump supporters on there. There's sort of hardcore patriots on there. But it's not really the average person that's on there. But I think once they complete the merger, they're going to have access to a lot of capital. So I think once they merge, uh, you're probably going to see them, you know, crank up the gear. They had ambitions to become a whole large media company through this. This, I, and I think yeah. Elon has the same things with with X Corp. When you look at like Meta right now, they're they're pretty much there through yeah. all their different things. So it's like they're just playing catch up at this point, and that's the reason why I think that that company is really undervalued, is because you have companies like Apple that are holding to a $3 trillion valuation and Meta is still under a trillion. I think with True Social, the, their little stock will increase. I think you're gonna see a lot of sell-offs 
with people who cashing out. Yeah. People who are frustrated. They've held it for so long and they've, Oh, finally I can get my money back. But I, but I think the people who really know what they're doing, I think they'll hold it for longer. I think we should move on to the next topic, uh, which is a favorite of many people discuss tipping culture in the US. This gets me a bit riled up, probably gets you a bit. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about it. Uh, it's out of control. I mean, everywhere you turn, uh, you go into, I, I don't know if McDonald's has it, but I feel like everywhere I go, it's Starbucks, you know, they don't take your debit card from you anymore through the drive-thru. They literally hand you the machine through the drive-thru and they will say to you, there's a question you have to answer here. And it's like, I think psychologically there's this part of you that's like, oh, well, I'll give them a dollar, I guess. And you just click it and you're like, here's a dollar or it says 15% or or 20% or 10% in a place that you were never used to tipping people at all. Right. Um, yeah. Typically, I don't give tips to so, places where they don't bring food to your table, like where you pay up front. I don't give tips. I think that's reasonable, right? Yeah. No, I I agree completely. But I feel like there's a sense of guilt there because, you know, at least for me, like when I see the tip thing, I'm like, oh, I should give you a dollar. But the truth is, is I shouldn't. It's like. <laughs> You know, this isn't a job that's offering more services than it offered previously. It's just the employers or the owners said, well, if you want more, more money, you ask for tips. Yeah. So they're, they're really taking it out of the customers. So if you go into places like Subway and get a $10 sub and they, there's the option for getting a tip. So I did a little experiment myself recently with tipping. And I became an Uber Eats delivery driver. And um, I went out and I did two deliveries. And it said expected return on one of them was $7.90. And then the next one was $8.11. Neither of those people tipped me anything. Yeah. So, so that, so that uh, lowered your that expected return. Oh, yeah. I. I mean, I spent more on gas than I did, than I did, uh, getting money. So I made I ended up getting $7. I spent 40 minutes delivering and looked at it. I did two gallons worth of gas, ended up costing me $9 and I made seven bucks and I spent 40 minutes of my time. And I was like, so essentially if you're a door dasher or you're an Uber eats delivery driver, if they do not tip you, you're almost losing money depending on your vehicle. Yeah, I, I did Uber for a while and uh, I realized I, I, don't, I don't think I was earning money. I think I was basically exchanging depreciation of my vehicle for money, <laughs> basically. Prices and the amount of driving, if no one tips you, it's like, you know, in 40 minutes, it was $7. So and when I think about the tipping culture, it's like, it was kind of interesting to me because I was on the one side where I was irritated with this whole tipping constantly. They're ready to start saying you can tip at a retail store for purchasing items. Like I'm going to walk into Dollar General and they're going to be like, can you give us a tip? And it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> where does it stop? So, but, but, yeah, but I feel like it's having a reverse effect on the, on like the DoorDash drivers. And there's that video that went viral right. with the 25% tip guy. Um, I just want to say, it's a nice house for a five dollar tip. You're welcome. 
Ooh, so sounds like a little bit of an expletive there from the dasher, kind of an attitude. $5 tip on a $20 pizza. So that's, you know, 25% tip. Then in a series of posts, the DoorDash customer who got the exchange on her ring camera, doorbell camera or whatever, said, how much should I be tipping on a $20 pie? She says she herself has worked in the service industry for more than a decade and tips, in her words, very well. So what happened to the DoorDasher, the driver, a spokesperson for the company confirmed that a worker has been removed from the platform, basically fired, in connection with this, saying that respectfully asking for a tip is acceptable, but abusing or harassing someone is never acceptable. I mean, I think, I think that's ridiculous. Even to be honest, even asking for a tip, I, I think is, is pretty ridiculous, you, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'd have been happy if I got a $5 tip on anything I did for those two deliveries. Considering that it's 25%. I mean, when you say it's a $5 tip, like that doesn't sound very much, but it's 25% of the order. So that's over the usual like 18, 15 to 20% range, I guess is pretty normal, right? So it's actually a pretty good tip. And uh, who cares what someone's house is like? You know, if, even if you, your house is made of gold or whatever, you're still not going to tip like $20 on a $20 order. That's or $10. That's a 50% tip. You know, it's, it's a little ridiculous that the guy would even consider that she would tip more than 25%. No, yeah, it's to totally ridiculous. I mean, it's entitlement, right? So, so right. he felt that they, since they had a nice house, he was entitled to a larger tip. And, and the bottom line is he got a tip. That's amazing. Good for him. So that's kind of how I, how I look at it. It's like, that's pretty good, actually, that he got five bucks. Uh, I, again, I would have been happy with it. <laughs> I wouldn't have. Yeah, wouldn't have been bad. Enough. Starbucks unions are. Oh, they're asking for it, aren't they? The electronic tipping thing. They're pushing it so that they make more money. I mean, the, the unions get paid from their workers or from their union members. So whatever it does to increase the union members bottom line. Let's move on to our final story today, which is China saying that it's going to restrict the export of chip making metals. I think this is pretty interesting. China is, is I think they're getting a little leery of all the chip makers leaving and the semiconductor companies getting out of China, going to places like India and bringing stuff back overseas. So yeah, this is the report that shows you the amount of gallium used by the United States and everything. So it's pretty interesting to see that the increase from year over year, if you go to 21 to 22, you know, and, and then there's basically no recycling of this product at all. So gallium's uh, price is around $543 a kilo. It's used in semiconductors. We don't make any in the United States at all. We have no inventory reserves for gallium. We have some for germanium. But China creates 60% of the world's germanium and over 90% of the gallium. Wow. They hold the cards there. And now they're saying August 1st, guess what? Uh, we're not going to send any more out. It's all ours. I was listening to some, some analysis on this, though, saying that basically it's very hard for them to do that because we can have other people buy it, people from other countries, and then we just buy it off them. We just buy it off middlemen. Because they're they're saying they were going to restrict the export to the U.S., right? From what I understand, they're they're restricting all of the exports. They supposedly tried to do this something similar to this with Japan in the past, and Japan just was able to buy it from you know third party middlemen, like people from different countries bought it and then sold it to Japan, which is who originally wanted it. This supposedly is not typically a successful strategy. 
No, it's definitely not going to be successful. Where there's a demand, there's there's people willing to fulfill it. There's a way, right? So it's not going. Yeah, the, there's a way, but you also have the raw material alliance in Europe, where the rest of all of this stuff comes from Canada, Finland, Russia, and the United States. So it's like they're just going to pick up production, and once they pick up production, China's just going to lose another resource for creating revenue for their country. And it's going to kind of actually start putting them backwards. So this kind of right. strategy for the Chinese government brings them in reverse of where they're trying to go. Um, so this this is going to be a huge backfire, I think, for China. It, it looks like a decoupling. They're trying to strong arm, you know, and the truth is, is that they're using a weak arm. We're going to see things start gradually going backwards there. And I think a lot of it has to do with, they haven't really come out with the real numbers on the amount of people that died from COVID in China, you know, which right, is yeah. astronomical compared to the rest of the world. There's reports that 400 million people really died from COVID in China. You really look at it and go, is this happening because they just don't have the resources to mine this stuff anymore? Germanium's used to make fiber optic cables. So it's similar to silicone. The U.S. is mineral rich, but we don't touch any of our minerals. It's kind of like a strategic policy for our government to say, we'll use everybody yeah. else's. And then when theirs are gone, we'll use ours. I'm pretty sure Russia holds probably the next biggest amount of this stuff held naturally. I think we should move on to the next topic. Sriracha is missing. If you like Sriracha and you've realized that it's not on the table at your local diner. Well, there's a shortage of it. There's a shortage of chili peppers coming out of Mexico. Really? And, the reason, and the reason being is there's a drought. Now, there's all kinds of speculation about salmonella, you know, all these rumors going all around. It's a drought for chili peppers, jalapeno, red chili peppers. Wow. That's why there's this sriracha shortage. $120 yeah. a bottle. So $124 a bottle on Amazon, right? Wow. So. And, and then they got, you know, $70 prices on eBay. I better look in my cupboard and, to see if I've got any bottles of that I could sell. I was actually at a diner and uh, I was in Florida and the, the lady came up and said, I got some sriracha. And I, I was like, okay, cool. I didn't really get it. Oh, you didn't and get it. Was, okay. Yeah. It was a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, why is she acting like this? she's got sriracha? Like it's some commodity. And uh, turns out it is. So that's caused from a drought in Mexico, a scarcity of chili peppers, <laughs> red jalapenos. And I want to do one last thing. It's a segment called Money Money. A cold winter night in January 2012, 85 Bank of America ATM screens were altered with electrostatic stickers. These activists snuck into ATM locations and placed translucent clean stickers over the ATM screens that successfully mimicked the exact look of Bank of America touchscreens. But instead of usual options, customers were greeted with touch buttons like invest in coal-fired power plants, foreclose on Americans' homes, and fund executive bonuses. The buttons, of course, did not do anything and the Rainforest Action Network later admitted to the prank. Is this a legitimate form of activism or is it funny money? <laughs> Look at that. They changed the logo to bankrupting America. <laughs> exactly. I think, uh, well, my vote on that is that's just annoying. <laughs> yeah, right? I'd be like, just like, give me my money. 
Yeah, like those oil protesters that sit in the middle of the road and hold up cars, you know? I, I, I think I would just be like, I would probably just tear it off and, and be annoyed at it. How dare you? Alright guys, well thank you for watching this episode of Dirty Money. If you're listening or watching on any of the major podcast platforms, do leave us a 5 star review, share this show with your friends, and if you are on any of the micro content platforms like Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts, or TikTok, do follow us. Our handle is at Dirty Money Show. You can follow us on there, share it with your friends. Thank you so much for joining us, Mike, again. Thank you. 